Welcome to the PSI Monthly Teleseminar. My name is Kat, and I will be your host for this evening. And on behalf of PSI Seminars, welcome to the call. PSI has been offering personal growth seminars around the world for over 40 years. And each month on these calls, we explore tools and techniques from the PSI Basic course as a free resource for you in your ongoing personal growth and self-improvement. For those of you who are new to PSI Seminars and would like to find out more about the PSI Basic Seminar or any of our advanced courses, you can go to psiseminars.com where you'll find information about all of our seminars as well as the dates and locations for upcoming classes. That's psiseminars.com. The topic for tonight's call is values. And first off, I would like to introduce your speaker for tonight. We have a very special guest with us this evening, Mr. Rob Rowe. Rob is one of the advanced seminar instructors for the Life Success course and the Men's Leadership Seminar. He has been involved with PSI seminars for over 20 years. He's an avid golfer, loves to read, and is involved in a number of charities. Rob, are you with us? I am here. Are we ready? We're ready. All righty. Good evening, you all. I hope you're having a pleasant evening, and I appreciate you coming on this call and uh, coming in to listen about something a little bit different called values. Um, I guess when I think about values, uh, I need to think about my little trick when I was trying to discover or work with my personal values, and uh, so I'll be talking a little bit about that. And as we get started, I want to clarify like my, my approach to this whole thing, because there's a lot of different ways people come to when they're looking at values or when they're looking at certain aspects of life. And so I do as well. And um, what I realized, especially for myself, when I began to look at it, words like cosmology came up, teleology, ethics, things of that nature. And all that really means is I simply begin to look at yourself and look at your world and look at your actions in that world. And then what makes it all worth the trouble? Why are you actually involved with it all? You ask questions like these. We ask questions like these. I actually ask questions like these. What makes life meaningful? Is my life fulfilling? And if not, why is it not fulfilling? Questions that can be daunting to say the least or a little bit overwhelming. In so doing, you like me may seek out some assistance, which is where companies like Sci Seminars comes in. Um, I myself went there and took their basic and was pretty impressed with it. See, SAI offers five different classes, three of which were, are what I call congruent trainings, and the other two are vitalizing trainings, so to speak. All are experiential, uh, experiential trainings, meaning that we believe you have the answers in your experience, if you listen to it, will reveal those answers to you. We merely provide the environment and the trainers that will make that happen. In my personal experience, that's what I began to realize. I was never taught to or talked down to. I was actually brought into an experience where things came up for me and I began to realize stuff. And hence, that's one of the things when it comes to the values, began to realize some things for me. So our basic training is primary and awareness training. It's filled with exercises that give us those aha, oh my gosh type moments where suddenly someone may have been telling us, telling us, this, telling us this stuff our whole life long, um, but we're now first experiencing it. And it's in a powerful and an eye-opening way. Then we have a thing called the Life Success Course, which is transformational training. It's designed for us to, through our experiences, to realize transformational and transformation. And we, and we realize it as a recognizable and reproducible pro process that we can actually apply within our lives. 
And then finally, we have the MLS and WLS trainings. These are leadership trainings that are designed to create leaders based upon our wholeness as men and women. I'm going to be coming from this particular context and come from as I speak to you this evening when it comes to values, because this is the process that I personally went through, and I think maybe I'll shed some light possibly on what you're working with when it comes to your values. So let us continue. First of all, I had to ask myself, what are values? What are they exactly, and what are their significance? Someone once said that values are like humor, which I always enjoy. So values are like humor in that they bring meaning to life and a particularly to any given person, and particularly to any given person. Um, I think values make the difference between merely existing in our life and in living a meaningful and powerful and a purposeful life. Existing coming from that place of fight or flight or mere survival. I think as we begin to grow up and when we're younger, we just truly deal with the world in a fight or fight and survival type mode. What values do is they bring a certain amount of energy to our life that when we actually live in cadence to them, we'll experience a lifestyle that is fulfilling and purposeful and has some meaning to it. And so I began to look at what are values, and I realized that values differ from principles and goals and social, cultural, and family norms. So I realized principles are fundamental or general laws that I chose to accept. Um, these are things like um, respect for the autonomy of others or trustworthiness or honesty. Um, in business, it might be due diligence. Uh, there's fidelity, justice, benevolence, or refusal to take unfair advantage of other people. These are principles. These are firm rules of which we actually apply and bring to our lives. Principles do not form our values, but we form values, I believe, that interact with these principles. So values are important and different than principles. I also realize that they are not goals. Goals are action steps. They have time frames, amongst other criteria. Yet when our goals are in alignment with our values, this brings us fulfillment, joy, and purpose once again. So I realize values are not principles, nor are they goals. Then I also had to realize values are not the social, cultural, family behaviors that we are taught to adhere to so that we can find acceptance or be elevated by family or friends or a group of people. Things like eat all the food on your plate. I don't know if you were told that, but I was told that quite often when I grew up. Dress appropriately, either not too sexy or not too downplay. I'm not sure what even appropriate dress anymore is within our culture but you must dress appropriately to be accepted by certain norms. Don't do drugs. That was a big one when I grew up. Or for some people, you gotta do drugs because that's a big one when you grew up. You must be on time. You gotta hold the door open for the people behind you. Respect your elders, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are basically um, social, cultural, and family behaviors or norms that we tend to try to adhere to or follow through with, and they are not value, values. A value can accentuate these things, but a value is not these behaviors. So what is a value? As the word implies, it is when we put energy or value on a particular experience or a person. I believe there's no inherent experience or there's no inherent significance or value. And all significance and value is assigned by people. You and I assign the significance to an experience or to a person, and then they become valuable Hence, they become our values. That's how it operates. 
uh, when I grew up as a kid, I grew up in a rather, well, it was a semi-hostile experience a lot of times. And what I found was one of the biggest ways to diffuse anger or hostility was to be funny or do something funny or do something kind of crazy. And so what became a huge value for me throughout my lifetime was having fun, bringing humor, or having comedy in virtually everything that I do. And I still adhere to that, and I hold on to that. And it's become an extremely valuable way of operating in my world, and I'll do that quite often, even now when I'm not even always mindful of why I'm doing it. So anyways, depending on how much significance we place on an event or a person, how much more value, valuable that experience becomes, it bubbles up and basically becomes our core values. Uh, you will generally have, I don't know, three to five core values. We don't create a lot of core values in our world. About three most people talk about or they deal with, but no more than five. The significance is that when these core values are realized in my life and your life, then we will enhance our self-esteem. You'll have a higher self-esteem. You'll feel better about who you are. You'll feel fulfilled in what you're doing. Everything that you do now actually has a fulfillment brought through it because it's in alignment with the value that you hold on to. And in so doing, you'll find yourself actually realizing your purpose. When I say realizing your purpose, it's like realizing a long set goal or realizing something. It's suddenly, it's like you're beginning to get it all of a sudden and it's been held out at, at arm's length for so long, you begin to realize it. Um, and so it brings meaning to our work. It brings meaning to our lives and to our relationships. You'll experience joy, and people will actually find you to be a joy to be around. Uh, what CK, what, uh, it's what I think C.G. Young was talking about when he's talking about self-actualization. Uh, Renee Cermak, a friend of mine, just wrote a book called uh, Little Big Self-Esteem Handbook. And so she sees these kind of experiences as, a, as the building blocks for a meaningful foundation and allow us to create liberty in our lives. So what are some examples of values? If I'd write down some examples, because a lot of people look at what, you know, so what exactly a value is? A value, I think, is things, that, things like achievement or adventure, authority, balance, uh, boldness, um, doing service, being optimistic, growing, humor, like I said, or having fun, that's mine, influencing others, creativity, curiosity, uh, being loyal, openness, poise, Spirituality, uh, wisdom, trustworthiness, wealthy, success. These are some ex or examples, I think, of values in, in um, things that you may actually create and work with as you're dealing with values. I've actually heard them categorized in six different categories, which I find to be helpful, and so I thought I'd share those with you as well. First category of values is excitement. That, underneath that adherent of excitement, we have a thing called emotions, a lot of emotional values come in there, things that bring us pleasure and sexuality, those kind of energies under the excitement category. Then you have the promotion category. Promotion, you find values such as power, prestige, success, these kind of things that are promoting you as a human being and having your effect in the world. Then there's a thing called interaction. And uh, these values are things like affection, belonging, support, communication, these kind of things basically deal with when it comes with interaction with people in reality. And then the other category they use is a thing called normative. 
Normative is when you try to become obedient. You try to do the right thing or what you're supposed to do. Um, a lot of religions and religiosity comes off nor uh, normative. Uh, following the traditions, adhering to particular traditions of your family or your culture or your people. These are normative values that are pulled out. And then actualization, which is another category. We're dealing with things called beauty. Um, when you have a ap appreciation for beauty, the arts, uh, books, things of that nature. Uh, knowledge, when you appreciate knowledge and people's fundamental learnings and what that does to them as human beings. When you actually appreciate maturity, what it means to become a mature human being and how that works on the planet. And then the last category is existence. All of us have to deal with these particular categories. They're not always high value in our value systems, but they can and always could be within our value systems. Um, it's health, staying stable, dealing with your wealth, these kind of things are dealing with existence type um, categories. Now, I need to specify, that was a sip of tea, by the way. I need to specify there's a big difference between a value and what I call a vacuum or Mr. John Martini calls the void. A vacuum or a void is when we associate an undesirable value or energy to a happening or to an experience. Depending on how severe the experience is will determine how it turns out or affects our lives. Um, experiences, especially that happened earlier on when we were younger, we would deal with these a lot at size seven. Uh, and we have an energy associated with them. It's not a negative energy because no energy associate is ever negative or positive. It's just an energy. Um, energy is like uh, we are not being accepted or acceptable. And so we create an energy that we have to be liked. We have to be acceptable within our environment. Um, I remember in my own personal world, I was often felt, you know, my association was feeling stupid. I was often put in a place where I felt stupid about what I was doing. See, I'm dyslexic and colorblind. And so when you're four and five and three and four, five, six years old, what happens in your, in my world is more for me personally, is that a lot of what you do does not look very, very intelligent in front of other people. Um, I can remember my dad's trying to mow the lawn. He told me to pick up these toys that are out in the yard. And so I go out in the yard and I pick up toys. Well, what's sitting in the middle of the yard, which I don't realize, are three cowboy plastic figures. All of them, one is red, two are red, and one is green. Being colorblind, I cannot see these figures laying in the ground. My dad is standing right over the top of them, looking at me, going, what is wrong with you? I told you to pick this stuff up. I am looking down into the grass, and I don't see thing, anything in the grass. I think I picked everything up. Now, of course, anything blue, yellow, these kind of things that jump out to you, I pick them up, no problem. He is thumping on my head with his finger, because back then that was acceptable practice for, for male adults to do with their sons, telling me how stupid I was for not seeing the very things that are standing in front of me. So obviously, you can see I put an energy and a high energy on feeling stupid, and I wanted to shift that energy my whole life, hence one of my bigger values is trying to be intelligent or wasmotic or trying to be something like a Bill Murray-type Einstein person. So that's part of my vacuum and void. Yours might have came from a place of not feeling lovable. You had an experience where lovable, where you weren't handled in that particular way. Uh, you might have actually developed an experience where you felt abandoned or someone merely forgotten you. The frustration about abandonment, it's not so much somebody abandoned you, it's what you made up about yourself to be abandoned. That's a very terrible, horrible feeling. Like something is wrong with you. 
something isn't something is you know significantly ups you know it's, something's wrong with you that's the bottom line and a lot of times a lot of shame based uh voids and vacuums are all dependent upon that particular one so anyways these voids, voids or vacuums they need attention in our life if we don't give them attention if we don't actually deal with them in some form or fashion they will dominate what we don't work on works on us they will dominate our lifestyles in highly ineffective ways and create for us in our life very unstable results. So these things have got to be dealt with. That's why they show up in our world, and hence you always come across them when you're looking for values. All of us suffer from this, and if we don't find a way through it, it can dictate our lives, diminishing self-esteem, fulfillment, and purpose. And what makes it even more problematic is that if they're not dealt with, you'll find out in your life, just check at your life, because you're going to seek out some way to deal with them, and we'll search out external sources and addictions and attempts to neutralize this emptiness or vacuum or this instability of a void. Hence, a lot of us become workaholics. Uh, we work all the time. Our job is working all the time. We say we're doing it because we're bringing financial finances home, we're taking care of the family, or yada, 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 yada. And the reality is we're just losing ourselves in our work. Some of us become sexaholics. Obviously, that's easy to see. Foodaholics, we eat too much. We try to find some value or purpose out of that. Alcoholics, obviously, we rely much too much on alcohol and things of that nature. And, of course, drug, um, drug addiction. This all comes out of that. Or we become emotionally shut down. Bam, we'll just shut ourselves down emotionally, um, and we'll try to become numb within our world, therefore neutralizing the void or neutralizing the vacuum. Some of us become obsessive and compulsive in our behaviors. Hence, we end up spending too much money, we end up gambling, we end up attributing, we end up uh, basically consuming, and so we live our lives based off obsessive or compulsive behaviors that not, don't seem to be able to be tended or dealt with. See, these are not the problems. These are only symptoms, and they're symptoms of the vacuum or this void that you're not addressing or not allowing yourself to address in your life. Hence, the greatest part about my job is I work at, in Psy7 or our life success course, and we actually deal with a model and with a whole week program that helps us work through this particular situation. And we can actually create that model in our lives and we bring it back home. See, part of this model is actually set up to where you're put in an environment where you realize you're operating in such ways that are not, like I say, they're unstable. They're not effective. They're not creating what you want. You're not becoming the man that you want to become. You're not becoming the woman that you want to become. And so what we do finally throughout the week, we get you a chance to make yourself realize you're in some resistance to something. And so the first step of this transformational process is the realization of resistance. Resistance is present. You don't have to even have to realize it's your resistance. You just got to remember resistance is there. What is resistance? Resistance basically, in our mind, we're saying something like, what is, isn't. What's out there should not be. This should not be happening this way. These people should not be treating me this way. And so that has to be just realized before anything else can happen. Once that's realized, then we can, not, we can acknowledge it. Acknowledgement is a big thing because we acknowledge basically resistance is present. And so we're able to hold ourselves in a moment and just go, okay, hold on a second. Resistance is present. It's not like we numb ourselves out to a situation. We allow ourselves actually to be an acknowledgement of the situation. So we're still in the situation and we're still a part of it. Then ultimately, we must get to a place of accepting the situation, which is the hardest part when it deals with the transformational process. Because to accept what's happening around us, um, we have to basically give up what we think we already know about the situation or about us. 
We have to see ourselves and we have to see the world in a different way. Therefore, getting to a place of accepting what's around us. That's the hugest, hugest challenge, I think, of any human being to deal with because we think we're right or we don't want to be wrong. And therefore, we have, to be, we have to say what we're doing or how we're doing it is the only way to do it or how it should be done. And so the acceptance process is always a huge challenging area in that way. And then we allow ourselves to experience whatever, whatever that is completely. Um, for me personally, when I was dealing with this whole idea of not being smart enough or being stupid, I really had to set down the line of experiencing that completely. What does it mean to feel stupid? What does it mean to believe that I'm stupid? What does it mean to the people around me to think I'm stupid? Um, to not have the intelligence, to not have the ability, to not have the wisdom to be able to deal with the world. What does that mean? And for me personally, what it began to realize is that it means that I'm learning. And it means that I'm human. And it means I'm just like you. And there's nothing wrong with me. I allowed myself to experience that completely. And I went through a lot of emotion. And I still go through emotion with it because it's a huge process for me. You know the sign of experiencing something completely because you'll have like a nothingness afterwards. There's a sense of just tranquility. There's a calmness. It's not a no-thingness. No, no, no it's a nothingness. I think we borrow it from Taoism or probably from Buddhism. It's actually an experience that we deal with. It's what you feel after you have a really good dinner. It's what you feel when you have a really great time with someone or particular people. It's that aftermath of just nothing. You know that you've allowed yourself to experience a complete when you have it. From that place now, you can transform whatever that issue. Like my thing, it was a value of being stupid, and I operated my life from being stupid, and so I tried to be smarter. I tried to make people wrong. And what happened was I realized, no, I'm wise because I'm learning. I'm a part of the world. And so I started creating things differently. I started choosing things differently. I allowed myself to commit to things around me. So like me, I believe everybody has to relinquish this energy that they have around it. And once that energy is re um, relinquished, then we can realize possibly a huge core value uh, that's been shrouded in a very harm harmful experience. And now that can be transformed and we can use it to create one of our core values that's going to make a difference in our life. See, the difference between a value and a void is based on the results of what's, what you're happening in your world. If you're looking at your world and you're experiencing excitement of wanting to be a part of things, affirmation from within, sure, people outside are patting you on your back, but you look inside and you go, damn, that was good. I did a good job there. You have higher self-esteem. You're constantly feeling better about who you are. Um, and if you experience fulfillment by what you do, through your actions, there's a general fulfillment. Not by what you're getting out of it, but by just being a part of it. And there's a creation in it that you're fulfilling from. That's when you know that you're operating from your values. If you're operating from the vacuum or the void, you're not experiencing a lot of fulfillment from anything that's happening around you. You're operating from a feeling of a have to or an obligation that i got to do this or it's got to be done. You find yourself constantly in resistance to your environment. And that energy of resistance isn't always depleting your personal energy. You'll find yourself tired, wore out, annoyed, uh, overwhelmed, can't be a part of this, can't do this. And it's just a, it's a hellish existence. You find yourself when you're, when you're operating from the vacuum or the void of having a lot of anxiety. Stress is being exalted. And so once again, your energy, your energy is being depleted. You find yourself responding to many situations with frustration or anger. There's always that. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I can do that. No problem. So you're acknowledging that you can do it, but you're acknowledging it with a frustration. When something happens in front of you, you find yourself instantly getting angry. Like when someone cuts you off in traffic, like it deems your anger. When something happens in your world, it deems that it's okay for you to be angry. I watched a YouTube video a couple of days ago, and it had this young kid and this old woman both waiting for a parking position. What happens is this guy pulls out, and the old woman can't instantly drive in because the guy is kind of in her way. So the young man pulls his vehicle in and takes the parking position. He opens up his car. He looks at the lady. He has some gesture, but we can't tell what it is based on the video, and he walks on to wherever he's going. When the old lady gets out of her car, goes into the back seat, pulls out a baseball bat, walks up and starts pounding the windshield of this guy's car. She walks back to her car, puts the baseball bat back in the car, and drives away. I was appalled that the responses underneath was, way to go. Way to deal with the situation. Way to show him. And the truth of the matter was, he was not doing anything wrong, and she was not doing anything wrong. They were both waiting for a parking space. Being young, his value has a lot to do with pleasing himself, and that's a value that's been shifted over the years. Older, we were taught to give respect to your elders, respect to other people, and give other people opportunity. She thought he should operate from that value, and he did not, and her response is anger. That means it's not a value. She's dealing with a void. Anger or frustration, when we do destruction to other people's property, something's taking place inside. So you might ask yourself, well, how do I discover my values? And especially, how do I discover my core values? Well, really, as we'll tell you all the way inside seminars, it's merely by looking into your life. Um, a book to go to, John Martini has this great book called The Value Factor, and he reveals a simple, straightforward process for doing that, just that, finding out what your values are. He points out simply this. Start looking at your life. Look at how you fill your personal space. Look around your room. Like, if you look around my room right now, I've got books everywhere. I've got five bookcases. My dad's house, I've got another six or eight bookcases. I have books everywhere. I have tapes and series on my shelves about uh, personal growth and personal involvement. Um, I've got a lot of things right here. Just, so it's just notice and start looking at. And I also have, I've got to tell you, I've got games. I've got gaming software. I love to play games. I've got a lot of movies laying around, movies that if I found to be meaningful in my life and movies that I found to be entertaining or also fun. And so you start looking at what's around your personal space. My personal space, I've got knickknacks. I've got some those little Buddha balls that you roll around in your hand. You know, I've got a flask because I love great scotch on the golf course. You start looking at what's the things around your life, and those things will give you an idea of some of your values. Notice how you spend your time. You will always find time for the things that you value, be the things that you put special energy on. You'll always find time for that. Um, how do you spend your energy? In other words, where do you put your energy? Like when you have the time and you know you're exhausted, where do you come home and go, bam, now you suddenly have energy to do this? Uh, I don't care what happens in my world, what happens. I can be all tired and whatever. But I have energy to get up and start doing some yoga now because I have a lot of personal value in taking care of my body, hence my personal um, taking care of my body. So where do you put your energy? Where do you spend your time? Where, I mean, where do you spend your time and where do you spend your money? Time's important, but also money. Look at, your, look at your checkbook. Look at your bank book. Look at your budgets. And you will find, as you start, prior, prior, start prioritizing your money, you'll find out where you're spending your money. That's where you'll find some values. 
Where are your most disciplined and most reliable? In other words, how can people can always see that they can rely or you find yourself being the most disciplined stuff? Those things reveal some of your values. Where do you find yourself being organized? Where do you find yourself being orderly? These reveal, reveal values. What do you find yourself thinking about most of the time? Your innermost dominant thoughts a lot of times are shaped by your very core values. And so start noticing what are your innermost dominant thoughts? Are they bringing about a powerful fulfillment in your life? Or do you find yourself being having a lot of anxiety? And you might find out that your core value is not really a value at all. It's a vacuum or a void that must be treated or dealt with. What do you emotionally react to? What do you find yourself reacting to? Either in joy, excitement, or in horror, or in propulsion. Notice what you find yourself reacting to in your world. What are your goals? Do you have any goals? That's a big one, too, because a lot of people all have goals, but they don't have any goals. You have goals written down, in other words. And then start looking at what are those goals, and those goals are pointing towards your values. Look at what you're inspired by. What do you get excited about? What makes you go, bang, wow, that's amazing. That will be giving you a pointer to where your values are. See, you look at, you look at see, um, like, what's your biggest spiritual experience? And in that, you'll find that you are being congruent with the core or high value. A high spiritual experience will reveal that. Did you build a business and you had extremely spiritual experience from that? Is it building your family? Did you have a child? Or is it doing both at the same time? Was that a huge one? Is it travel? Is it reading? Is it learning? What's one of the biggest spiritual things where you went, whoa, that generally is associated with a core value? So through simple things like this and start looking at your life, your life is speaking to you and telling you what are your core values? What are they about? All you have to do is begin to start writing these down. And in writing them down, now you have a practical map to be able to prioritize your life. Because what you're going to do is start prioritizing your life and looking and noticing, what am I doing that's not in alignment with these core values? And if it's not in alignment with those core values, it's either time to delegate or get those out of your life. Because to bring fulfillment, to bring purpose, to bring meaning into your life, you must be living a life on a daily basis that's in alignment with your core values. Values, significant values are important, and they're hugely empowering when we become aware of them and find ourselves using them as a catalyst from which we move forward in our life. So anyways, I got a little wordy there at the end, but I think that's about it. And I believe we have some questions coming up. Is that true, Kat? Uh, yes, we do. We have quite a few questions. Uh, let's get started here from GU. How do values relate to intentions? How do values relate to intentions? That's a very good question. They don't. Um, I think that your intention is based upon your value, um, and your realization of that particular intention is based upon whether it's a part of a core value or not. Uh, I think that intentions can also come from other places other than values. Um, probably beliefs around our world. Uh, wow, it's a really good question. Hmm. I'm giving you sort of an off-the-cuff answer because I really have not reflected on this very long. But intention is obviously all is necessary to create what we say we want in our lives. 
And so I think what a value does, maybe like a honing stone that hones that particular skill or that particular knife called intention so that you can create what you want in your life, maybe in a smoother, more gentle or faster fashion, i.e. when a surgeon has a properly sharpened blade, he can do a far easier surgery than if he had a dull blade. So the best I'm going to give you is that illustration. It's a, it's a honing stone. Your values are the honing stone uh, for the blade of intention that will create what it is you say you want in your life. Next question. Okay, next from MH. Uh, do values change? So where do we get our values, and do people's values change, and why? Where do we get our values, and do people's values change, and why? Okay, I think our values, as I explained a little bit earlier, comes a lot of it comes off of our experiences, early experiences of which we've created, you know, we basically associated energy to, or people, and so that's where they're coming from. Now, the only way I've seen them change is by a new dramatic experience that took place in one's life at a later time frame i.e. a conversion experience, uh, whether they converted to a religion or they revert, converted to God or they converted to a way of seeing the world. In so doing, uh, values that they have been adhering to with their life suddenly will be kind of brushed off and called into question. It's not that those values are wrong. It's just that in the new system of which the person is converted into, there may be more appropriate values that go on, go, coincide with that particular system. So that's one way I can see a value beginning to change. Another way I can see values changing uh, is with growing older. I notice with myself personally, you know, once I pass 35 and I pass 45, I, it's not so much my values changed, it's just that they prioritize themselves a little bit differently. I knew when I was younger, especially very young, in my 20s, early 20s, early late teens, that um, doing some sort of exercise was important. Now, back then, I used to do it, obviously, because I wanted to run. I wanted to compete. I ran a four-minute you know, four mile or four or five-minute mile or something like that. And so I was trying to compete. I was obviously look great. I was in great shape. And so my reasons for staying in shape back then shifted. And then through my middle years, I really backed off that. I mean, I can think from 20, 25, 30 up until 50, 45, I hardly did any exercise at all. But in my mind, I knew it was important. I just didn't really do a lot of it. Well, especially for me now in my latter years, here I am now, I think about 48-ish, all of a sudden I began to realize I want to live to about 80, 90 years old. And if I want to do that, I think, it's, I think it's important to put value back into health and my body. And so now, bam, I put value back into health and my body. And the last six, eight years of my life now has been uh, – uh, it's been reflective of that with workout systems. I'm doing yoga systems. I'm doing biking systems. I was lifting weights for a while, and so I'm doing that. And so, I, yes, they do change, um, and I, in my case, they change back, but for completely different reasons. But I think the major core three to five, they'll prioritize themselves a little bit different. Um, one will have higher priority, while the latter two might have a lower priority. Uh, but then what happens is that we'll move them around a bit here and there. But unless we had a major life con conversion, 
I think they pretty much stay consistent throughout our whole lives. Did I answer that? Uh, yeah. Next up, um, we have a guest here who's not yet done the classes. Uh, BC asks, how do I find my calling? How do I find out what my natural strengths are so that I can build on them? How do I find my calling? How do you find your natural natural strengths? Um, well, you can take our classes, but that's always the answer. Let's say you're going to do it solo. Once again, your calling is when your deepest desire hits your best skill sets. And so you have to find out what is one of my deepest desires? What's the thing that really rocks my boat? What do I really enjoy making happen? Uh, personal illustration for, for me, my deepest desire has always been helping people. That was a word I used to always use, but the realization I've realized since is people don't need my help. Um, and so uh, assisting humanity, challenging humanity, um, working with people, that's where my big uh, big thing was. I created a lot of meaning off that. And so um, once I realized that, and then my skill sets based on my upbringing are rather limited and, and diverse when it comes to uh, does any one particularly stand out. In my case, not a lot of them stood out. I wasn't that intelligent. Um, I didn't, I had some book smarts. I had a lot of uh, uh, degrees and whatnot to show intelligence, but it didn't seem to come out in what I was doing a lot of times. And so what I realized is that uh, I tended to move toward or gravitate toward speaking and talking. And that became a good skill set. So my deep desire is actually to assist people, and now my skill set has been speaking. Well, that was only discovered through being around people and basically trying a lot of different things. Um, and once I tried uh, you know, a lot of different things, I began to hone it down and realize, okay, bam, this is the one, this is the one that works for me. And so my suggestion then to you is you need to check in and start discovering what's the thing that really floats your boat, what's the thing that really moves you, um, what is that big desire, and then start looking at your skill sets, then ask you how can you realize that desire through your skill sets. Skill sets are easily found either by you being able to uh, justly assess your life or two, ask friends. Friends will always tell you what your skill sets are. They always see you better than you see yourself. They see your strengths better than you can see them. Better hire a coach and have a coach look at you for a bit. Next question. Great. Next up from WC, how would you suggest dealing with somebody in a relationship that doesn't share the same values? Um, I think it'd be highly unusual actually to find a person in a relationship where you share the same values. Matter of fact, the purpose when you're choosing your relationship should be at least aligning two or three values up so you can live out a life together without killing each other. That'd be important, I think, ultimately. So if you find yourself discovering your values and they define themselves discovering your, their values, and then you discover that you don't have values that tend to coincide, then what you'll need to do is you work with a lot of communication so that they can realize their values and therefore realize their life and have joy, and you can realize your values, and you can realize your life and have joy. There's ways of doing this, and there's ways of happening, and there's people that have talked that really deal a lot with people how to, how to live with one another when you seem to have these kind of differences, because the differences doesn't, doesn't 
diminish the love you have for one another or the care you have for one another. It just means it's hard to coincide on anything. My belief is that if you get created enough with the values, you can pretty find you can find out places where they dovetail or where they overlap, and then you can both be in a particular experience and um, create value in that experience. My personal illustration of that was that my wife loves to travel. Um, I used to say things like I love to travel, but what I meant was I like to go to Hawaii and I like to go to uh, Vegas. And I realize that's not traveling. When she talks about traveling, she talks about traveling around the world. Well, I think, I think it's important that you should travel someplace around the world sometime in your life because just to get an experience of different cultures is just hugely eye-opening and amazing because I find that uh, being American, I tend to be rather selfish. But I realize doing this all the time is not what I want to do, especially for long periods of time. Um, it makes it problematic because I don't like to be away from my home that much. I like to be in my little room. I like to read my books. I like to be a part of things. And so what I found was I found myself sometimes being in resistance to her start planning travel arrangements. And so what I had to look at, all right, I got to figure out how does this dovetail over because I don't want to try to destroy one of the very things that she loves to do. Because when I got into the relationship, I made it sound like I like to travel the world, even though I meant I meant the world meaning Hawaii, Vegas, and the wine country. So what I found that dovetailed over it for me personally was that the conversations that we have while traveling, traveling the world is significant for a value system, one of my values. Discovery is big when you're traveling the world. Well, that fits into another value that I have. Other words, becoming more intelligent or having wisdom and these kind of things. And so I found out how can traveling the world, even though it's a most, one of the more annoying things that I can do as a human being, how can it be also one of the most positive things that I can do as a human being? Uh, that took myself actually looking at it and making it happen. She, to this day, does not know that I do not like to travel the world like she does. So my suggestion, um, one, you can end the relationship. People do that. Relationships, that's about as much as they mean to them. Or two... You could go deeper, get creative, and possibly find a solution that's going to bring a joy to your life that you never would have had if you had exactly the same values. Because the combination of these kind of values together could create a lifestyle that's more rewarding that you might, than you would have had on your own. Next question. Next from CE. What do you do when you have conflicting values? Um, I would look first at, because when I look at values, things that we have experiences on, things we put value into, uh, they tend to be non-conflicting. They can be in one of the categories, and so they're unique to one of those particular categories, but I don't find conflict, confliction. What I find conflicting is when a void or a vacuum that I'm working with is trying to act like it's a value. And then that will conflict with other values. Because part of my void or vacuum of being stupid or not enough or something is wrong with me, I had to create an environment of um, secrecy is a good word I'll use for it. I didn't talk a lot. I didn't tell you a lot. Um, I didn't tell you always the whole truth. I only told you the truth that I thought you could handle. I was not always honest. And so, and I thought I was always doing this for you or for them or for other people. 
And what happened was when I started looking at that behavior, I realized it was in contrast to other values that I hold dear, like honesty, like truthfulness, like trustworthiness. And so it wasn't that I was having a conflict with a real value. I was having a conflict with a vacuum that was sucking my life out of me. And so when you see those in your world, my suggestion is to start looking at them, and you might find a wolf that's dressed in sheep's clothing. You might find something that's saying it's one thing, but it's not. And all you got to do is look at it and going, am I gleaning fulfillment, purpose, self-esteem off this particular thing, or do I find it being hard to actually do? Is it sucking the life out of me? Is it tending to destroy part of my life? Now, if that begins to happen, that means you're looking at a void, and that void needs to be addressed in your life. Uh, because it's what's there. It wants to be addressed. It wants to be healed. It wants to be actualized. So you can realize a fulfilling life. Next question. Yes, it's from LC. What is the best way to get to the core of what you really value and want in life? Okay. Core. I, I'll go with my personal experience. First off, you got to be willing to be wrong. Which means you're going to, because the deal is when you start actually looking at your values, if you were like me, you're going to want to think all values are important. Every one of them, they're important. Because hence, I can't be wrong. I have to have them all. And so that's going to bring way too many values into your system. And, um, and the truth is you don't operate based off those. So then you got to start getting honest and asking yourself, and actually, you know, you might have to go through all this, this tremendous process of rating them one to ten on how much energy did I have on them. Then I had to go through this process, what experience am I associating with them or what person am I associating with them and how valid or true are they? And so I began to begin to realize and, you know, begin to uncover slowly but surely Ones that held a great deal of energy. Now, for me, unfortunately, the couple, there were two vacuums that held the most energy that I had to and still do um, work through neutralizing so I could find what I think are my core values. But there's a few that didn't need, they weren't vacuums, they were truly actual, damn, you know, they were, they were a core system. And so what I found is that I would discover it because I realized I have the most energy on it. I feel the best about it. It rates a 10. Um, if I had this within any experience in my life right now, I look at it and go, that makes this whole experience amazing. For me, it's connection. Connection is a huge value for me. I want to connect with you. I want to connect with people. Um, and so uh, I didn't realize how important that was uh, for me. And it was a discovery process. It was a thinking about a process. It was a meditate on a process. It was a looking at my life, which one seems to be the one I'm spending the most time, energy, money on. That system that Mr. Demartini has pulled together really gives you a concrete way of looking at some things and will help assist you to get to that particular core value and so you can create true meaning within your life. The truth of the matter is, I'll use the site seminars model, you already know. It just seems too easy or it seems it can't be that easy. The truth of the matter is you already know, and the truth of the matter is people around you know. So one, you can just cut straight, straight to the chase and ask them or ask yourself straight up. Or two, go through the process, be willing to be wrong, try it on, feel it out. You will tell if it's not, 
And you will then, be, you will be constantly moving, it's part of a growth process, by the way, you'll be constantly moving into until you actually do discover these core values, and then you'll begin to associate your life on them. And then your biggest problem then will be to prioritize your life so that you are fulfilling your core values versus other values um, that are less important to you. Next question. Great. We have a few questions um, around the same thing here. Um, what would you say is the best way to find like-minded people, to find people that share the same values, um, and to, you know, find people and relationships and connections with other people that are like-minded? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Um, many dating organizations are based off this idea. They actually pull up your values and they're trying to associate you with one another based off values that has nothing to do with external uh, things like what you look like and how they look and things of that nature. So there's a lot of money going into this. Um, it used to be you just grew up in a particular environment and that culture from that environment, you would have a tendency of adhering to those who had the same values as you did. Unfortunately, we move so much now that it's really difficult to make that happen, and we live in just such diverse areas. So, first off, find out what your values are, and make sure that you're not using one of those values as a roadblock to create relationships with others. I know for myself, it's like I get a little one-upmanship, and I I'll, sometimes will pull one value and go, well, this value is the most important, and these people don't share this value, and therefore, you know, they're not, you know, they're not worthy of my time. Well, the realization is we share a couple values, and we have a great time if I were to allow myself to let go of this one particular value um, that keeps them out of my life. So, two, being your, allowing yourself to go into environments where you believe those kind of people live. Uh, law of attraction basically says that you will attract like-minded people. What that means is you're attracting people that are like you. That means they have the same dysfunctionalities as you do, the same phobies as you do, but also the same desires and joys as you do. The difficulty is that their value system is going to be really different than yours. And so your challenge is, um, does it have to be, does the relationship have to be based upon the value system or can it be, a, can it be a based upon the person? Obviously, the value system will create more opportunity for interaction. It does not necessitate that you share the same values. Now, obviously, if you're like me, if you can share at least one of the core three, you're going to have a heck of a lot more fun when it comes to being around people. Hence, most of the people that I have greater interaction with, they have a tendency of reading books. They have a tendency of thinking about things. How I found them? Well, I work for a company that I have probably 5,000 friends on my Facebook page, and I probably dealt with, I don't know, thousands upon thousands of people. And so... I just came across them or they came across me and we looked at each other and we went, you know, I, I like this person. We're going to have, we connect because of our values. Uh, so since you don't have that particular scenario uh, open to everyone, um, I do believe you can put yourself into scenarios where that will happen. If you're creative and you want to be around crafts, go to creative craft places. Those, they happen all the time on Saturday, Saturday mornings. Um, if you're spiritual, go to places where spiritual people go to, whether it's churches, which is not always where spiritual people go to, but go to places where spiritual people go to um, and get yourself associated with them. Be okay with being wrong. 
be okay with talking. Be okay with being vulnerable. You have to draw forth courage to actually talk to people in different places. Act on your intuition. I mean, some of my best friends, I didn't even expect them to be my best friends. My best friend for years, and still I've seen him as a friend, even though we haven't talked for a long time, is a guy named uh, George Davis. George Davis and I, we played golf once in Bakersfield, and I didn't even want to play golf with these people. It was him and his dad, and I'm going, I don't want to play golf with these people. And then we're out there playing golf, and I have figured out every reason in the world why I don't want to talk to this guy. He's Alcoholics Anonymous, yada, yada. He's a big six-foot-seven guy. You know, he represents everything that I'm afraid of in the planet. And then all of a sudden, by the 18th hole, we both look at each other and go, we're going to be friends, aren't we? Yep, we're going to be friends. And he became my best friend. Matter of fact, he, he was a rock in my world when I was becoming a part of the site community. Um, and we still stay in contact to this day. He's a phenomenal man. So getting yourself into the environments where just what do you like? And what's your environment? I obviously like golf. I like athletics. Golf is the ultimate thinking sport. And so that's why I, have, I, I like it. Thinking is where I find my spirituality. Where thinking and sport comes together, hence spirituality. That's why I go with golf stuff. Uh, so you might be athletics. It might be sports. It might be taking care of your body. It might be going out to eat. It might be... Um, finding yourself in the environment and being ready for the impossible to become possible. Because right now you're shrouding yourself in a way of, I can't do this. There's no way to make it happen. But there is a way to make it happen. You just got to allow yourself to surrender to it and let it happen. Because it'll definitely happen if you let yourself go with it. And so whatever you're doing now obviously isn't working. So whatever you're doing now, you got to do something different. Like Einstein said, the same Mind that brought you into the problem is not the same mind that's going to get you out of the problem. You got to change your mind, you got to change your circumstances, and you got to move yourself into something a little bit different. And it doesn't have to be, you know, have fun with the process. It doesn't mean you're going to be able to do something different tomorrow and realize it. It means that you have fun with the process and you enjoy it as you go along. Because finding people with like values does not mean it's the end all be all. It just means that you found people with like values and you have people to communicate and interact with. Because now you got to find, make sure those people are challenging you and your values, things of that nature. So that's all I really have on that. Next question. Next up from EA, uh, what do you do when your values are challenged? I think, now I think you're talking about principles. Principles oftentimes get challenged. I think there's a big difference when it comes to principles and values. I think values, once you realize your core value, um, you're not going to let it be ripped away from you unless someone's going to, no, even death isn't going to remove you from that one. You're going to hold to it so dearly that it doesn't matter what people are standing up around you with. Principles are always negotiable. And so principles like things like, okay, um, trustworthiness or um, there's a principle about treating people fairly. Okay, and so when I look at that scenario about treating people fairly, um, if that were a value that I had and it could not be ripped apart, I would walk into a circumstance or a situation where um, something was happening unfairly. Like, uh, let's say a group of kids were picking on a homeless guy because this is, this is basically, this happens quite a bit. Uh, it used to happen quite a bit in my world. 
And so if it's a principle, I say, I mean, I'm, I'm fair-minded. I think we all should treat each other equal. We're equal together, yada, yada, yada. Then all of a sudden I'm looking at these big thugs picking on this homeless guy. Well, am I going to walk in and try to stop this interaction because I feel like they're treating him unfairly? Or am I going to look at it as this could be pretty hostile and I'm not willing to die for this? Values, I think you're kind of almost willing to die for. And so if you're in an environment where someone is challenging your values, I think you will stand upon those values if you truly understand them, if you truly know them. Because I think what's going to happen is you're not going to let them go. Because you realize they're your life source. They're bringing purpose to your existence. They're the things that brings vitality to your relationships. There's no way that you can violate them. Whereas, like I say, principles sometimes, depending on the environment, can be negotiable. Principles can be compromised. And so if you have a set of principles that you're leading your life on right now, and they're not associated with your values, um, you're finding yourself in a circumstance, I think you're probably talking about, but you're not saying, saying what exactly the circumstance is, to where you're finding yourself in compromise. You could be in like a close relationship with somebody, uh, and you find yourself backing down or something of that nature. And so um, I think that when you find yourself in that environment, you're realizing that they're not values. Because if they are truly values, that means they are the core belief systems of your, of your, of your meaning. You're not going to back off of them. You may find ways to negotiate or compromise, um, but you're not going to back off in any sort of demanding situation. I think I talked around that a lot. I'm not sure if I answered it. Uh, but that's the best I have. All right. Well, that's actually all the time we have for questions. Uh, I am going to address one really quick from CI. Uh, she talked about attending the basic seminar back in 1988 and was wondering about uh, auditing the class. And uh, for you and for anyone else out there, once you do attend the basic, you can come back and audit the class anytime you want for free. Uh, so that's a great uh, benefit. It's it's once you go uh, to the class the first time, it's yours for life. And on that note, uh, Rob, since we're out of time for questions, is there anything you would like to say to wrap up the call and uh, give us a few takeaway points on your teaching tonight? I would say be kind to yourself in this process. I know for me, in even coming up with this particular teaching tonight, it's challenging because it's not like you were taught this in school. As a matter of fact, much of what you were taught in school is pretty much contrary to this. You weren't taught this in your home. Uh, you were taught basically to adhere to certain dictates that were important for acceptance. And so if you got yourself into the habit of looking for acceptance or looking for validation externally, it's going to be challenging for you to actually discover your values. You're not going to want to do it. I'll tell you right now. There's a huge part of me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to, I don't want to know what these are. Um, and when that comes up for you, be okay with it. Fortify yourself with the knowledge that the fulfillment you will experience far outweighs the vacuum that you're in that it takes true courage to take it on. It's hard to give up what you think you already know. It's hard to let it go. And so be kind to yourself as you're upon this journey. Be willing to make mistakes. 
If you're like me, you hate making mistakes. You've got to get it right the first time. You'll buy the book or you'll go through the system and you'll stare at it for a while going, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, no. Just write something down and just get them down. And once you get them down in paper, once you got them in front of you, it's like a goal. Now you can look at it and go, okay, which one really is the one now? Uh, and find someone you can go through the process with so you both can do it together. And really look at it and find out, man, okay, is this the one? Because I'm telling you, it becomes so easy to prioritize your life when you're clear on what your core values are. And it becomes easy to look at what are some of the vacuums in my life that's really sucking out the joy of what I want to experience and then address those vacuums. Because if you're not going to address them, your life will pre keep bringing up situations that will address them for you, and you're going to get hit sideways by them. You're going to be blindsided is a big phrase we use a lot of times. And so be kind, be okay with making mistakes, get a partner, get someone to do it with, especially if you don't want to get a partner and get two something to do it with, because that freaks you out, then make sure you get somebody. And um, give yourself a time frame. So you're going to have it done by when. Values realized in everyday existence brings fulfillment and self-esteem to each and everything that you do. Values are the difference between playing to win versus playing not to lose. When you play to win, you're excited. When you're playing not to lose, you're thinking a lot. When you're playing to win, you're passionate. Your energy is really, really hot. When you're playing not to lose, you're afraid of looking stupid of what people will think if you're doing it right. Playing to win, you want to come back and play again. You're excited about the next game. Playing not to lose, you're glad it's over. You're glad it's done. You're exhausted. Play to win. It's worth it. It's scary, but it's worth it. Enjoy discovering your values and applying those values to your life. Some of you are going to find some things out that your life is not reflective of your values. And some huge decisions are going to have to be made. And so seek out support while you're making them. Have fun. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to me this day. I appreciate it. I hope I uh, unearthed some things for you that can uh, bring meaning to your life. And have a good life. That's all, Kat. Ah, what a great call. Thank you so much, Rob, for taking the time to share with us tonight. And you're thank welcome. Thank you. And thank you to everyone listening in. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed the call and have some new tools to move you forward in the pursuit of your dreams and goals. You definitely don't want to miss next month's call. It's scheduled for Tuesday, June 14th, and the topic is Emotions 101. We will be exploring how to work with your emotions and how to be empowered by your feelings instead of overwhelmed by them. You can register now at psiteleseminars.com, and remember to ask your questions when you register. Again, that's PSI teleseminars.com. We do post live updates during the call on our Facebook page, and we love having your input. Find us at facebook.com forward slash PSI seminars and share your thoughts. Tell us what you got out of the call and how you're going to implement this in your life. Again, for those of you who are new to PSI seminars and would like to find out more about the PSI Basic Seminar, you can go to psibasicseminar.com where you'll find information about the dates and locations for upcoming classes. That's psibasicseminar.com. 
thank you everyone for being on the call tonight. We appreciate you taking the time to listen in. Have a great night.